Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, now we ask that by your grace and through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open our ears and open our minds and open our hearts that we might hear and understand and receive and be changed by your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name and let all who agree say amen. So I thought it might be interesting to tell you a little bit today on Mother's Day about how Mother's Day got started. It actually started back during the days of the Civil War, and it was a war protest. It was called Mother's Day for Peace. Now, after the war ended, this, this continued. Uh, it became an opportunity or, or an, uh, an attempt to reconcile the North and the South. It was called Mother's Remembrance Day. And the idea was to get mothers together from both sides, the north and the south, and, and, and they could kind of bond around the common experience of losing a son in the war. But the Mother's Day that we now experience on the second Sunday of May, what has now become the official Mother's Day, actually started on May the 10th, 1908. It was a worship service in a Methodist church in Grafton, West Virginia. Anna Jarvis, who was the daughter of the woman who started Mother's Remembrance Day. Anna Jarvis petitioned her mother's church in West Virginia to have a very special service honoring mothers. And th this began, um, Anna Jarvis's mother had died by this point, but she wanted churches uh, to have this day where folks would honor the mothers who are still alive and remember the mothers who had passed away. And um, this idea caught on. It spread from state to state to state. And before long, Congress voted and made it an official national observance. But here's the interesting thing. Only nine years after that first Mother's Day, Anna Jarvis became disillusioned with what Mother's Day had become. When she saw the commercialism, when she saw uh, the restaurant owners and the retailers cashing in, when she saw florists jacking up the price of flowers, she became disgusted with what Mother's Day had become. She said, I wanted it to be a day of sentiment, not profit. She was especially upset about Mother's Day cards, which she called a poor excuse for the letter that you were too lazy to write. <laughs> see, see, Anna Jarvis wanted Mother's Day to be a holy day. She wanted people to go to church with their mom and spend the rest of the day with their mom in a loving tribute, or if their mom had passed, to spend the rest of the day remembering their mom and, and what she had done to make them who they are. And, and 
she actually said this. She said, live this day as your mother would have you live it. She said, live this day as your mother would have you live it. Now, Anna Jarvis spent the rest of her life fighting Mother's Day. She actually spent all of her money suing the governors of states that made, official, that made Mother's Day an official holiday. Uh, she would go to retailers' conventions and stage violent protest and get arrested for disturbing the peace. Once, she was at a, a fancy restaurant in Philadelphia, and she saw on the menu that they had a Mother's Day salad. So she ordered it. And when the Mother's Day salad came to the table, she stood up, threw it on the floor, and stormed out. You see, when Anna Jarvis looked at the movement she had started, and when she saw what it had become, Anna Jarvis was heartbroken. So let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus ever feels like Anna Jarvis? So many things in this world start out great. So many ideas, so many movements, so many institutions start out great, but then time goes by and they change, and they become something the founder never intended. Is Christianity one of those? I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to answer out loud. And this is going to seem really random, and you're going to think, what in the world is he getting at? But if you will bear with me, I promise this is going somewhere. So I'm going to ask you questions, answer them out loud. Y'all still awake, right? <laughs> My wife used to always tell me, Claude, you got to look at the choir sometimes. Um, okay, so random questions. What do you think of? Answer me out loud. What do you think of when I say BMW? Cars. What did somebody over here say? Fast. Oh, fast. Okay, well, that's good, too. <laughs> cars. You think of cars. You think of fast cars. Well, here's the thing. Did you know that in the beginning, BMW or Bavarian Motor Works was known for making airplanes? In fact, some people say that's why their logo now, the logo that's on those fast cars, actually kind of looks like uh, um, a white airplane propeller against a blue sky. Okay, here's another question. What do you think of when I say Husqvarna? Chainsaws, lawnmowers, outdoor power equipment. But did you know that in the beginning, Husqvarna was known for making rifles, muskets. They provided muskets for the Swedish military way back in the 1700s. In fact, that's why their logo looks like a, um, uh, the sight of a rifle. If you look at it, you'll see it looks like you're looking at a rifle sight over the barrel of the rifle. Okay, let me ask you this. What do you think of when I say American Express? Charge cards, credit cards. But did you know that in the beginning, American Express was known for delivering packages? They were a delivery company. Hence the name American Express, as in express delivery. Now, one more question. Do not answer this one out loud. This is a thought question. Don't answer this one out loud. What do you think of when I say Christianity? Uh. <laughs> you didn't hear me say don't answer it out loud. <laughs> That's okay. 
I'm sure that the thoughts that came to a lot of our minds were good, positive thoughts. But what do a lot of people out there think when they hear Christianity? Unfortunately, a lot of things come to mind. Things like grand cathedrals and stained glass and humongous mega churches. Things like the Inquisition, the Crusades, televangelists. Things like hate-filled protesters holding up signs. Um, right-wing politicians, people who are always against something. Unfortunately, what Christianity is known for in our world today is not really what the founder intended. Now listen, it's fine that BMW has changed now. They're, not no, they're no longer known for making airplanes. And it's fine that, that, that Husqvarna has changed and they're no longer known for making rifles. And it's fine that American Express has changed and they're no longer known for delivering packages. But it is the tragedy of the ages that Christians are no longer known for following Jesus. Oh, we're known for talking about Jesus, and we're known for believing in Jesus, and we're known for singing songs about Jesus. But in too many cases, the world has not seen us actually following Jesus. There's a uh, study that came out just a few years ago. Um, the Barna Research Group uh, surveyed around 1,000 people. They published their findings in a book called Unchristian. And they were surveying people between the ages of 16 and 29, young people, the next generation. And they were wanting to find out their perceptions of Christianity. Here's what they found. The words most often used to describe Christianity. Anti-homosexual. Judgmental. Hypocritical. Old-fashioned, too involved in politics, out of touch with reality, insensitive to others, boring. Those were the top answers. And you say, well, those are outsiders. Claude, come on, man. Nobody, the people that aren't Christians don't like Christians. That's just how it is. Okay, but listen, internal studies of Christians have found that when it comes to attitudes, actions, and behaviors, we're really not that much different from the world around us. I mean, we, we don't help the poor more than others. We don't, on the whole, as Christians, we don't give generously more than others. We don't tell the truth more than others. Studies have shown that if a waiter or waitress or cashier gives too much change, Christians are no more likely than non-Christians to give the change back. We're just as likely to play the lottery or get drunk or view pornography. Our divorce rate is the same as everybody else's. Our rate of abortions is the same as everybody else's. When it comes to attitudes, actions, behaviors, we're really not that different from the non-Christian world. In fact, we're even more likely to engage in gossip and divisive behavior. And despite our own failings and in violation of the clear command of Jesus Christ, in view of all that, we Christians persist in judging 
everybody else. Here's the thing. We need to rewind. The good news is we can rewind. We can go back to the beginning. And we need to go back to the beginning. Now, some of y'all are old enough to remember. I'm going to date myself. Some of y'all are old enough to remember back before we had Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and cable on demand. And if you wanted to watch a movie at home, you had to actually go to the video store and, and get one of these. Y'all, y'all remember those? What that is? Uh, that's a VHS tape. And uh, so we would go to the video store and, and we would plunk down two or three dollars and uh, we would bring this home and we would put it in a great big thing called a VCR, video cassette recorder, and we'd slide it in there. And we watched the movie that had terrible picture and sound compared to what we have now. And then after we watched the movie, there was something that the video store really wanted us to do. They really wanted us to do a certain thing. As soon as we finished the movie, before we brought the movie back, they wanted us to what? Rewind. In fact, some, some uh, videos even had a little yellow sticker that said, be kind, rewind. Here's the thing. I believe that Jesus would really appreciate it if we would rewind Christianity. I believe Jesus would really appreciate it if we would take it back to the beginning. So, so let's look at Mark chapter 1. A lot of scholars believe today that Mark was actually the first gospel that was written. So we're going to look at the first gospel, and we're going to look at the first chapter of the first gospel. And this is when Jesus is calling the first disciples. So Mark chapter 1, let's look at it again, verse 16. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, accept me into your life, and I will take you to heaven when you die. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? Okay, let me read it again. He saw his brother Andrew, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, believe in me and I will make you healthy and wealthy. Is that what it says? All right, tell you what. To make sure I get it right, why don't we read verse 17 out loud together. You ready? And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish people. Now, in those days, the way you would learn from a teacher is you would actually physically follow the teacher around, and you would live with the teacher, do life with the teacher. You would eat with the teacher and work with the teacher and, and have leisure time hanging out with the teacher. And then in the midst of doing life together, the teacher would, would give you lessons about life, and, and you would, you would kind of wrap your life around this teacher. Uh, and you would do what the teacher told you to do, and you would go where the teacher told you to go. And you, just like y'all sang a few minutes ago, where you go, I'll go, when you move, I'll move. Uh, that's what it meant to, to, to follow a teacher. And that's what Jesus called these guys to do. Look at verse 18. And immediately they accepted Jesus into their hearts and went back to their boats and lived the same old lives. Is that what it says? No. Let's read that one together. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. In other words, their lives 
changed. They left behind their old lives. They left behind their old values. They, they, they left behind the way things were, and they embarked on a new adventure. Their lives were different. They followed Jesus. Now, this is the call of the first disciples. This is the first chapter of the first gospel. When we rewind Christianity, when we take it back to the beginning, what we see is that Christianity is nothing more and nothing less than following Jesus. Christianity is nothing more and nothing less than following Jesus. Following Jesus in a real and personal way. Not just believing in Jesus. Yes, it is that, but not just that. Not just believing in Jesus, not just worshiping Jesus one day a week, but following Jesus, wrapping our lives around this teacher, uh, doing life with him every day, listening to his words, studying his words, uh, asking him to help us live by and carry out his words, committing ourselves to a mission that changes the world following Jesus. Christianity is nothing more and nothing less than following Jesus. It's nothing more. That means some of the stuff we've added in is unnecessary at best and a betrayal at worst. It's nothing less. That means that just saying I believe in Jesus not quite it. It's nothing less than following Jesus. Christianity is nothing more and nothing less than following Jesus. Now, this is really good news. It's good news because it means that a, a lot of the stuff that people don't like about Christianity is not Christianity. You know what? If you have a problem with organized religion, Jesus probably has the exact same problem. Read Matthew 23. Jesus had horrible things to say about the pitfalls of organized religion. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not advocating disorganized religion, okay? I mean, organization's a good thing. But a lot of what people don't like about organized religion, Jesus didn't like it either. And so this is good news. Christianity is not some of the things that people don't like about it. That's good news. But this is also bad news. It's bad news. Because listen, following Jesus is a lot harder, a lot more demanding, a lot riskier than what passes for being a Christian in today's society. A lot of people think being a Christian means you go to church once or twice a month, you say you believe certain things, put a little bit of money in the offering plate, help out once in a while. But guys, most of us can do that without breaking a sweat. To follow Jesus, to wrap our lives around Jesus, uh, uh, to listen to his words and, and to try to become like him and to join him in his mission to change the world. Guys, that, that's hard. But the hard news is, anything less than that is not Christianity. Christianity is nothing more Nothing less than what? Christianity is nothing more and nothing less than following Jesus. 
Now you say, well, Claude, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, you know what? Here's, here's a helpful idea. Go back to Anna Jarvis, the founder of Mother's Day. What was it she said about Mother's Day? She said, live this day as your mother would have you live it. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Live each day as Jesus would have you live it. Now you say, well, how do I know how Jesus would have me live it? Well, see, this is why we need to study the Bible. This is why we pray. This is why we get involved with other Christians. We get into some kind of group or study or fellowship or Sunday school class where we can support each other and help each other figure out what it means to follow Jesus. But it basically comes down to live each day as Jesus would have you live it. Christianity is nothing more and nothing less than following Jesus. Now, BMW is no longer known for making airplanes. Husqvarna is no longer known for making rifles. American Express is no longer known for delivering packages. But what would it be like if we Christians were really known for following Jesus? What would it be like if we were really known for extravagant generosity and radical hospitality? What would, it be known, what would it be like if we were really known for spending ourselves on behalf of the poor? What would it be like if we were really known for feeding the hungry, giving water to the thirsty, giving clothes to the naked, visiting the sick, visiting the prisoner, welcoming the stranger. What would it be like if we Christians were really known for being humble? Because Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, not blessed are the arrogant. What would it be like if we were known for being gentle? Because Jesus said, blessed are the meek. What would it be like if we were known as people who, who want the presence of God in our lives as much as a hungry person wants food or a thirsty person wants water, because Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What would it be like if we were known as people who always tell the truth and you can always trust them, that, that they're not coming at you from false motives? Because Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. What would it be like if we were known as people who help other folks get along instead of, instead of fomenting division? Because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. What would it be like if Christians were known as folks who love their enemies? Who treat the people who treat them badly with love and respect? What would that be like? What would it be like if Christians were known for radical forgiveness? What would it be like if Christians were known as people who love each other the way Jesus loved us? Because guess what? That's exactly what Jesus said he wants us to be known for. John 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love each other. How? The way I loved you. And then he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. 
that you put a fish on your car. No, that's not what he said. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple, that you, some of you know, he said, that you what? Love one another. He said, that's how people will know that we are his disciples. What would it be like if we were known as people who don't just believe in Jesus, but people who follow Jesus? I'll tell you what it would be like. Our lives would be changed. The church would be changed. And eventually, the world would be changed. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself a question. If, if you've zoned out because you got tired of listening to me, come back now. And really think about this, please. Ask yourself this question. Am I following Jesus? Am I following Jesus? I'm going to give you some time now. Let's bow our heads. Let's move into a time of silence. And in this time of silence, I invite you to really ask yourself, am I following Jesus? And then talk to God about your response.